My name is Paula, just in case you're new uh, or you haven't been with us before. My husband's one of the pastors here at Sunrise, and we have two kids, um, a five-year-old. They just, they just had their birthdays, don't judge. A five-year-old, yes, and an eight-year-old. Whew, I feel old, guys. Um, but... Um, they are awesome kids. I love them. And you know, they're super active. And by the time I had my son, he's the younger one. Um, after I had him, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be one of those fit moms. I'm going to chase my kids around and I'm going to fit into all my new clothes, my clothes that I used to wear before my children. So I'm going to, you know, live a really, really long time and we're going to do all these fun things. So I need to be alive. So I need to eat well and I need to, you know, start exercising. I had never exercised every day in my life. Never. And this was hard, ladies. This is very, very hard. And, but I said, you know what? I'm going to do it. And I started eating healthy and balanced and the whole thing. And then all of a sudden, I was like, okay, I'm looking good. You know, I'm losing all this weight. I feel healthy. I'm not tired anymore. Because before, I used to be so tired and grumpy. And you know, you know, you know, you know. Parenthood will do that to you sometimes. But I had all this energy, and I felt amazing. And two years later, we moved to Cayman, and I threw it all away. Uh, and I tell you what, <laughs> because my life was turned upside down, and I, I was like, you know what? I am not going to pay $8 for a pepper, and I am not going to be able to do this here. It's just going to be too hard. My life is going to be too busy, and I don't have time for exercise. I would much rather lay in my bed and eat a brownie and watch Netflix with my husband. And that is what I did. So I chose to do this. I chose to, you know what, I, I thought I couldn't do it. I thought it was too hard. And so I let go. I let go of all the healthy habits I had worked so hard to build into my life. And, you know, all my clothes started to shrink. And I was very anxious. And, you know, I started to be tired again. And it wasn't helping. It wasn't helping anything, really. Um, so then once again, I said, I, I can't do this. I really do need to live beyond 50. So I need to do this again. I need to start exercising again. I need to eat healthy again, no matter what. <sighs> My community group and I, we did a bet. Nobody could eat sugar for a month. That was hard, guys. Very hard. But it helped. And I started building all these healthy habits once again. And you must be thinking, why is this woman talking about working out? I thought we were talking about Jesus here tonight. Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think there's a massive parallel between disciplining our bodies for fitness in the natural and disciplining our souls for what we're here for. Many, many times in the Bible, we hear... Um, the Apostle Paul referred to the Christian life as a race, as being in a race, as participating in a race. We are running, we are training, we're doing all these things. And I thought, you know what, this is a way that God wants to speak to us tonight. I've, I've had this verse on my mind for quite a while, and I want you to look at it with me, actually. In Hebrews 12, it should come up behind me. But if not, we have Bibles right here around the, um, the chairs. If not, just read it in the back. 
It says, Hebrews 12, Therefore, since we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, by, who by faith have testified to the truth of God's absolute faithfulness, stripping of every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us, let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus, who is the author and perfecter of faith, the first incentive for our belief and the one who brings our faith to maturity, who for the joy of accomplishing the goal set before him endured the cross, disregarding the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, revealing his deity, his authority, and the completion of his work. Just consider and meditate on him who endured from sinners such bitter hostility against himself and consider it in all comparison with your trials so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's quickly pray one more time. God, we just pray tonight that you'd speak to us. No matter where we find ourselves in life or what season we're in or where in our journey with you we are, God, we all need you. And we pray that tonight you would speak to our hearts, you would speak to our souls, to, where, to wherever we are, God, that we would look to you, that we would turn our eyes on you so that we can focus on what you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. See, in the natural, I recognize that to be able to get where I wanted to go, I wanted to be healthy, I wanted to have energy, I wanted to live a long life, I had to change my decisions daily. I couldn't just work out one time and be like, why am I not fit? I had to do this every day. I had to eat healthy every day. I had to do these things over and over. I had to do things that I had never done to get results that I had never had before. So spiritually, it's exactly the same. I don't know if you've realized this, but if you are a daughter of God, if you are born again, if you are a Christian, you, my friend, are on a mission. You are in a race. You have a price waiting for you. There is nothing casual about our time here on earth. Absolutely nothing. See, many, many times things will get so hard and your life will be put upside down and it will seem that it's easier to stop fighting, to just let go than to do the hard thing and the right thing, to stay on mission, to stay in this race. And this verse is so accurately, it describes exactly what it's going to feel like. It tells us that we're going to feel this weight, that we're going to have weight sometimes, and that we're going to have sin that's going to feel like it's entangling our legs and it's not letting us run. And you're going to feel this struggle, because sometimes there, it's a big struggle. Sometimes you're going to feel like you cannot even move forward one more step. But I love the Bible because the Bible doesn't hide and tells us just the pretty things. The Bible tells us everything. If you um, looked in Hebrews 11 just before what we'd read, it's actually sort of a, a hall of fame of sorts for the faith. Yes, and it's talking about all these people that came before us that... 
um, did, did all these amazing things. It's talking about Moses and Abraham and Samson and on and on and on. And it's talking about how they made it through and they finished the race and they, they accomplished the thing that God had put them on earth to do. And you might look at them and say, well, I'm never going to be like one of these people. I'm never going to be parting seas, and I'm never going to be having babies at 80, and I'm not going to kill giants, and I'm definitely not going to be tearing lions with my bare hands. So I don't compare to these people. And that's not true. We compare. We're just like them. Because if you dig a little deeper and, you, and we refresh our memory, you can remember that they had massive struggles. They had epic, epic fails. They did things that I would be totally embarrassed that they're written down for us to read. But they are, because God wanted you to know that you are not alone in this race. That you're no different, that your struggles are no different. That we struggle just like they struggle, but they made it to the end. That's why they're there. Not to be like, oh my goodness, these people are so amazing, I'm never going to be like them. No, they struggle, we struggle, but there is a way that we can all make it to where God wants us to go. There is a way that we can all make it to the end and fulfill the mission that he has for us. I cannot push that enough tonight. I have it so heavy on my heart that you and I are on a mission. That you and I are called for something And we cannot give up, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how difficult it feels. And I want you to look at the very end of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11.35 actually gives us just a snippet of what they went through. And it says, Women received back their dead, raised to life again. There were others who were tortured, refusing to be released so that they might gain an even better resurrection. Some faced years and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were put to death by stoning. They were sawed in two. They were killed by the sword. They went about in sheepskins and goatskins, destitute, persecuted, mistreated. The world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains, living in caves and in holes in the ground. Even with all their flaws and all their imperfections, even in their struggles, these people realized that it was worth fighting until the end. They realized that the prize set before them, what God had promised them, was worth fighting until the end. I don't know about you and me. I know that life can get really hard, but none of us are getting cut up in two or tortured and we don't live in holes in the ground. You know, we are doing a little bit better than these people. But even still, we are going to feel many times that it's too much to bear. And that's why this is here. That's why this is here because chapter 12 starts and it says, therefore... And it's linking the thought from before to the thought now. And it's telling you, listen, these people finished the race. They thought it was worth it all. And now, my friend, you are up. Now it's your turn. You are in the track. You are in the race. It's your turn to run. How are we going to run? What does it take for me to actually make it to the end? And see... It doesn't come without a warning, or it doesn't come without telling us, listen, it's your turn, but you need to do some things to actually be successful in this race. There's some things that you're going to have to do so that you can actually make it to the end. 
and actually get to your price and be successful. And it tells us, and it should be up there, it says three things. Stripping off every unnecessary weight and the sin which so easily and cleverly entangles us. Let us run. Let us run with endurance and active persistence the race that is set before us. Now, I wanted you to see this. I know in Cayman, we, there's lots of marathons and people do all these sporty things all the time. But just imagine, imagine because I never would, but if I ever signed up to do a marathon and I showed up like this, I'm going to run my marathon, this never-ending marathon, and I'm going to take this, and imagine there's a child in there, maybe, I don't know, you know, and then I have this back, and my husband found me these weights. Oh, my word. You know, and I'm ready to run. Do I look ready to run to you? I'm going to die in two minutes. I'm not going to make it anywhere. This isn't going to work. I can't even walk, talk like this, guys. This is, look at that. It's so heavy. Yes? But that is how a lot, a lot of us are running or trying to run. We are trying to be on this race, and we're trying to do all these things, and we are holding so tight to all of our weights and all of our things, and we don't want to let go. And we're entangled, and we are burdened, but we think we're running. We're not. See, the thing is, we mistake God's warnings for our lives as if he was mean or as if he was trying to spoil your fun, or if he was trying to do just this mean old dude sitting up in heaven telling you what you can and cannot do. No. We have misread him so much. Jesus lived here among us. Do you remember that? He came. He actually lived in the flesh. He felt what you're feeling. And the Father knows exactly what you need to run this race because His Son came and walked among us and was able to finish His mission without getting entangled and weighed down. So He knows. See, Hebrews 4, 14 and 16 tells us this. It says, Inasmuch then as we believers have a great high priest who has already ascended and passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession of faith and cling tenaciously to our absolute trust in him as Savior. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize and understand our weakness and temptations, but one who has been tempted knowing exactly how it feels to be human in every respect as we are, yet without committing any sin. Therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help us in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. He knows. He knows your anxieties. He knows your fears. He knows your despairs. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He know Listen, if anybody knows what it's like to feel betrayed, it's Jesus. He knows. He knows what it's like to be rejected. He knows what it's like to lose a loved one. He cried when his friend died. He knows what it's like to invest in people and have them turn around and say, 
I don't want you. I don't need you anymore. He knows what it's like to be lied about and misrepresented and misunderstood and tortured and hurt and killed. He knows. He sees. He's not up there looking at you going, why is this so hard, lady? Why are you not getting your act together? He's not doing that. He's saying, I see you. I know how this feels. I understand what you're going through. But listen, you don't have to carry this weight on your own. You're not meant to be running with this. He wants to carry this for you. He wants you to give it up. Because you can't run like that. You can't run offended. You can't run hurt. You can't run with holding on to the things that people have said to you or about you. You can't run like that. You have to let go. You have to say, I've had, I've had enough. This is it. I have a mission. I have a place to go. I have somewhere to be. God has called me for something, and it's been long enough and hard enough. I don't have to carry this weight. I don't have to carry this weight. I understand. I know that there's going to be days that are going to be so hard that you're probably just going to be sitting somewhere in your house, crying on the floor, saying, God, I'm not, I can't move today. I'm not even walking. I'm crawling today. Because I can't. Because it feels like too much. And he knows too. And he's saying, I'm here for you. I'm here. I want you to give it to me. And you know what? Sometimes it may be the enemy, because he obviously does not want you running this race. Sometimes it might be brought on by other people, because we're humans, and we hurt each other, and we do things that we shouldn't be doing. And sometimes it's ourselves. Sometimes we hold on to things that we should have let go a long time ago, and we drag them, and we own them like this backpack, and we walk around with them when God is saying, it's time to take it off. It's time to run free. You have to pay close attention to what you're believing, to what you're holding on to. And you know what? Sometimes we find ourselves entangled so deep into decisions that we've made and circumstances that we have absolutely no idea how to get out of. You're saying, Paula, get out of, get out of how am I going to get out of this circumstance, of this situation? How am I getting rid of this sin that you say that is stopping me? How? Or maybe you don't want to. Maybe you're holding on to this this backpack so tight because you think, if I let go of this, what is there for me? Because you cannot fathom what life would be without this thing that you're still holding on to. See, the sneaky thing about sin is that it wants you to think that the pleasure that it's offering you right now that the respite is offering you right now is so much better than what God has ahead of you. And it's a lie. He's lying to you. And out of fear, we believe him. We think, what am I going to do if I don't have this thing or that thing? What am I going to do? What would my life look like if I let go of this? This is my security. You have no idea what it would take for me to move away from this. You have no idea. That's why the Bible says it's, cl it's clever. It's, 
It entangles us and is so clever and knows how to get each one of us. It makes itself look so appealing. It looks like a good thing, but nothing that is good for you will stop you from running to God. Nothing that is good for you is going to hold you back and tie you down so that you can't run this race. You can't. It can't be good for you. You cannot run freely and purposefully while being weighed down. And see, I've had this verse in my heart for months. During the summer, I was praying, and I knew that God wanted me to speak about it. (laughs) And when I started getting into what the message would actually look like, I was like, God, why, though? Why can't I talk about something light and fluffy that will make them walk out of here feeling like they're walking on clouds and they're princesses, and I can just tell them, you're so beautiful and so loved. Listen, (laughs) I I was like fighting with God. I don't I just, you know, can you give me something a little more cheerful? And I, I almost felt like a Holy Spirit slap. You know, you can get one of those. And he put me in my place. <laughs> and he was like, what, are you, what do you think this is? What do, what do you think this, the word, the gospel is? Do you know what God wants for you? He wants you to live free. He wants you to find freedom in Christ. He wants you to find purpose in Christ. He wants you to have strength to run your race. He wants you to make it to the end. He wants you to not waste a minute of your existence. And I'm not that old, but I have this feeling of urgency that sometimes we get so caught up in life that we forget that there's actually an urgency to our life. There's an urgency to our faith that we should not be letting the days just go by without us actually walking in what God has for us. The only way you're going to find true fulfillment, true joy, even in the middle of horrible, difficult circumstances, is if you see Jesus and you see his good plan for your life. That's the only way. And as we heard in the video earlier, he has a vision for us. He has envisioned all of you as part of his masterful plan. You are on a mission. You have a purpose. You were made for something more than just this short time on earth. You were made to reach the most excellent price, and that being him, Jesus. But the enemy will like nothing more than to distract you and snare you and keep you from it. And if he can't entrap you with sin, he will definitely distract you with blessings or maybe hardships. But he will keep your mind off of what it's supposed to be. Ephesians 2.10 says this, For we are his workmanship, his own masterwork, a work of art, created in Christ Jesus, reborn from above, spiritually transformed, renewed, ready to be used for good works, which God prepared for us beforehand, taking paths which he set, so that we would walk in them, living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us. He prearranged and made ready a way for you. Isn't that amazing? 
That is amazing. And you know what? You know that word that everybody likes to throw around, the millennials? YOLO. Yes, YOLO. You only live once, for those who don't know what that is. You only live once. I'm not saying you're old. You're all so young and hip. You probably already knew. But just a reminder, you only live once. Yes, make it count. Make it count. Make it count for Jesus. Make it count. Don't, don't. Listen to me, there's so much vying for your attention, and this island is so tricky, man. There'll be everything and anything fighting for you not to come to church, not to find friends that will encourage you in Christ, for you to get entangled in everything other than Him. This place is amazing, but it can be very tricky, because it's too beautiful, it's too good sometimes, and you have to bring yourself back. You have to say, man, I cannot be wasting my time having brunches every Sunday instead of finding my purpose. What does he want for me? What am I doing? Anything and everything keeping you has got to go. I don't know what's keeping you. You, should, you need to ask that to yourself. What is keeping me? from running this race? What is he telling me tonight I have to let go of? And you might say, okay, Paula, let's, uh, so how <laughs> are we letting go of these things? Because you're telling me everything that's wrong, and how am I doing it? Give me the tips. Give me the, uh, what is it? I don't have to tell you anything other than what we already saw here. Look again at Hebrews 12. Look at verse 2. Right after it tells us that we need to run with endurance and active persistence, then it tells us looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. That's it. You must look away from everything else that is holding your attention, that is bringing you down, that is weighing you down, that is entangling your soul. You must look away from it. And what does it mean to look to Jesus? How, what, Paula, how do I look to Jesus? We turn our eyes to him every day. Every day you wake up in the morning, the first thing that you do is you say, Jesus, I need you. Let me know you through your word. Let me sit in your presence so that you can work in me. Let me hear you for myself. I want to know you. I put away my phone. I put away anything and everything that gets in my way. And I look to him first. I come to his presence to find grace, to find help. I come to his presence to be satisfied. I come to his presence to tell him that I cannot do this on my own. I come to his presence so that I tell him, Jesus, I don't find you more valuable than everything. We sing it, we say it, but we don't do it like that. It's hard. I know it's hard. I'm married to a pastor and it's hard. Sometimes, some days, Jesus is not the first thing. He's not, sometimes for, until the very end of the day, I'm like, oh my word, I haven't been with Jesus at all today. I haven't heard what he has for me. But you know what? You don't have to do this on your own. And that is the most beautiful thing. You don't have to do this looking away all by yourself. 
you can come to him and you can literally tell him, I don't love you like I should. I don't value you like I should, but I sure want to. I want to. I want you to be my everything. I want you to be everything to me. I want to be able to sing that song and have it be an anthem for my life. I want Jesus to actually be everything to me. I want him to capture my heart in such a way that I don't want to look anywhere else for pleasure, for satisfaction, for safety, for security, for peace. He's got you. He really does. He is enough. Even when we can't see it and when we don't understand it, we can trust that he is enough. And when we come to him and we tell him and we give our hearts to him and we're honest with him, then the next thing to do is step out in obedience. The things that he tells you to let go, it's time to let go. It's time to drop them. It's time to say, I cannot drag this anymore. And obedience is faith and God honors faith. If you tell him you can't do it, but you still step out shivering and shaking and saying, God, this is too much. I'm not going to be able to survive without this thing. I'm not going to be able to do it without you. I can't do it. And he says, I know, I got you. Just step out. Step out of the boat. Remember, Peter? Step out of the boat. Just take the first step. That shows him that you're obeying, and that shows him that you're walking your faith out, and he's got you. He does it, but he wants to see that you're in it with him as well. But he is the one who's doing it. My prayer for us tonight is that we would ask Jesus to turn our eyes to him. That he would give us a heart that loves him and desires his word. That would want to know him, that would consider him our everything. That would want to see him for who he is more precious and more desirable and worth every sacrifice and everything, everything, everything that he asked you to put away, he's worth it. He's worth it. And maybe you're here and you're like, what is happening? I don't even know what race I'm, what? No, I don't know anything about Jesus. I don't know anything. Please don't leave tonight without actually praying and talking to somebody. We do We don't want you to just leave confused. If you haven't had an encounter with him, you're you're not in the race just yet, but he still is calling you because I don't think that you're here for no reason. I think you're here because he wanted you here. But if you are already in the race, let me finish up by reading this psalm. Psalm 16 says, Keep and protect me, O God. For in you I have placed my trust and found refuge. I said to the Lord, you are my God. I have no good beside you. The Lord is my portion of my inheritance, my cup. He is all that I need. You support my lot. The boundary lines of the land have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my heart and mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. 
Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad, and my glory, my innermost self, rejoices. My body, too, will dwell confidently in safety. For you will not abandon me to Seol, nor will you allow your Holy One to undergo decay. You will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. May this be the, our prayer, the desire of our hearts. May we see him more precious, more beautiful than anything that this world has to offer, bigger and stronger than all of our weights and all of our wounds and all of our struggles. May we catch his vision for our lives and make the most of our time here on this side of eternity. This isn't a one-time thing. It's not like, remember how we said, working out one time and then feeling fit? That's not how this works. This is a daily decision. This is just a spark tonight. I hope your hearts are sparked into motion tonight. I hope you catch a flame and you keep it alive. But to keep the fire alive, you have to... Keep it alive every day. You have to keep it in oxygen. You have to do something. I don't know how to keep fires. That's my husband. But you have to do something every day to keep the fire alive. You can't expect to come here one day and then on Sunday one time and then this miraculous love for Jesus. No. Every day, every moment, Jesus, I need you. Do in my heart what only you can do. I'm going to ask Lisa to sing a song again, that we sang earlier, um, that says nothing else. You know what I'm talking about? The last one. <laughs> she knows what I'm talking about. And while she's singing, while the ladies are singing, I just, I want to give you a moment to actually pray and to actually, maybe right now, ask God, you know what, I heard all these things, I, I've listened to everything that she had to say, but God, I can't, I can't do this on my own. Maybe you're struggling, maybe you're feeling heavy, maybe there's something that God is speaking to you, he's pressing on your heart that you have to let go of tonight. And we have each other for a reason. That's why this is meant to be a sisterhood. So while they're singing softly, I would like... You can do it with the ladies that are in your row. Get together with somebody and just tell them, you know what, I need, I need help. I need prayer. Would you pray for me? Would you help me? Would you ask God with me? Because I am feeling tired or I am struggling. You don't have to tell them everything, but just having someone praying with you makes a lot of difference. So let's do that while they sing. Get together with somebody, maybe with two, three people together, and pray for each other. Let's pray for each other. We don't want to step out of this place tonight without asking you, Lord, and telling you that we need you. That we can't run this race without you. That maybe our eyes have been turned away, that maybe we've caught... We've been caught up in so many other things and there's been weights and there's been distractions and, 
And there's so many things that are vying for our attention, and we've forgotten how beautiful you are. We've forgotten how worthy of all our attention you are. God, I pray that over every beautiful woman in this place, that you would turn their eyes back up to you, that you would lift up their heads to see you in all of your glory and all of your beauty. They see you worth pursuing, worth dropping everything for. That they see that they are called by you and that there is a purpose for their lives here, now, every day where you've placed them, where you've put them. God, being in a school, if they work there, in a hotel, if they work in a restaurant, if they work with sick people, if they work in a hospital, if they work wherever they may be, Jesus, you've put them on a mission. And I pray that not a single moment of their existence is wasted. That these women would change these, this place, this island, this culture, their families, their homes, wherever you put them, wherever you take them, Jesus, that they would be the flame, the light that ignites other hearts for you, that they would be the ones bringing you into everywhere they go, spreading your word, spreading your love, spreading you, Jesus. Use them. Bring them to you. God, turn their hearts to you. Let us love you. Bring us back. Bring us back, God. Let us be women who glorify your name wherever we are. We thank you that you have your arms open wide and that there's grace for our times of need, that there's forgiveness, that there's strength, that there's power and that is available to us in you. Thank you, Jesus.